Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to the Friends with Fancy Benefits Baseball Podcast, or as we are now calling it, the Tariq Scooble Power Hour. I'm Darius Austin and joining me, I've got somebody who's just dying to talk about Scooble. It's Ray Coon. Ray, how are you? I am doing good, Darius. I'm doing good. I thought this is going to be the NL only show, right? Yeah, exclusively NL teams. We just won't hit the AL all this week. (laughs) I've also got on the line somebody who's obviously actually keen in talking about Scooble. It's Scott Jew. Scott, how are you? Uh, Doing great because Scooble's on the schedule, uh, which means I'm going to call in and I'm going to be part of the podcast. That's basically how this works now. That is that is the rule. Uh, if Scooble does something good, then we're going to talk about him, uh, and we're going to talk about a bunch of uh, other young rookie pitchers today. But I think we should start with Scooble just so Scott doesn't try and introduce him into every other conversation we have. Um, he's been really, really impressive of late. Um, you talked about him a bit last week, Scott, but then he went out over the weekend and looked absolutely electric again. So why don't you break down what we saw from Scooble on the weekend and what you see from him going forwards? Yeah, you know, I won't do a pitch-by-pitch breakdown, partially because it's not necessarily my greatest strength. What we did see was, obviously, 11 strikeouts in five innings against the White Sox, who are who are a tough team. Uh, walked three, one earned run, four hits. You know, the biggest thing is a lot like what I talked about last week. Number one, he's limited the homers. The way he's limited the homers isn't some, you know, secret sauce. It's not leaving balls in the middle of the zone, right? I mean, this is a big problem that he's had before, especially with his secondaries. Uh, he would get over-reliant on the fastball. And then when he used the breakers, they stayed, you know, up and middle. And, you know, his stuff is really good, but not so good that he can throw it by people middle-middle, right? So it was getting crushed, and now it's not because he's not leaving those in the heart of the plate. He's not necessarily, um, you know, missing with a bunch of fastballs and is forced to throw that breaking ball uh, and it, you know, in for a strike, which is going to leave him prone to leaving it too much of a strike. So he has the command right now. Can he keep it forever? I don't know. Another thing that's important to point out that five innings. I mean, he's not the most efficient guy with his pitches. Five to six innings is kind of always going to be the cap. I mean, it's hard to go that deep into games when you're striking out 11 guys. And, you know, in his last four starts, it's been nine, nine, eight and 11. So not going to go deep into games. He's probably not a quality start machine. He'll continue to have, I think, you know, excellent strikeout numbers and the ratios will come and go with that command. Right. 
are you as excited about Scooble as, as Scott is? Are you picking him up in leagues? Um, where is where where is he for you in in kind of your your mental rankings right now? I do not think anyone could be as excited about Scooble Scott is. So <laughs> I just so I just want to preface that and just just to be fair. But I mean, I I totally get it where he's coming from. Scooble is electric. The strikeouts are definitely there. The command is, is kind of you know it's going to come and go. I think it's, it's from a dynasty perspective. He's come off a, a stretch of some good starts. I feel like you kind of have to wait for him to have another bad start or two, and then run out and acquire him because I think this year is going to be, you know, probably still a little bit of hit hit and miss up and down for him as he works through the. That command. I think the home runs are always going to kind of still be a problem. You would like to see him work more through, get over that five, six inning mark. From a stamina perspective, I, the lack of ground ball so far in his 86 innings with the Tigers over the last two years, that's what concerns me a little bit. The fact that he's only around like 28%. So, I mean, if he can't throw the ball past you and strike you out, I'm a little worried about that also from the home run perspective as well. So I think that's something to kind of keep an eye on. I think from a development, I think for from a redraft standpoint for this year, you kind of have to pick and choose based on the matchups for him of how you slot him in. I mean, overall, I totally get being excited about him. But I think, you know, I don't want to rain on Scott's parade too much and say, hey, we got to pump the brakes. I think there's definitely a really good pitcher here. But it's not. But it's not going to be a straight line to that point. Yeah, I mean, I cut the brakes. The brake line is cut. <laughs> there, are, there is no pumping of the brakes. But it is a really good point. Home runs have been a problem for Scooble. Uh, you know, he had multiple games, especially early on this year, where he had these short outings and was giving up multiple home runs. Right? Uh, he actually did that four times, uh, including two games where he gave up three home runs. So, and one of those was to Cleveland. So uh, there's there's certainly issues there when he loses that command because he's not this guy who throws stuff you know like low in the zone and forces these ground balls Ray's absolutely right when he you know he always kind of gives up fly balls and when he's off what's going to happen is those fly balls turn into home runs really really fast and, and you know just to put it in perspective i love him in redraft uh I, i've probably got him somewhere in like the 40 range for redraft and that's like as rosy as anyone's really going to be like 35 to 40 i think most people are going to be a little bit more conservative and you know probably put him closer to like 45 to 55 maybe 60 um especially if it's like a, a shallower league you can afford to take this risk and 15 team um he's still certainly top 100 probably top 60 you just do worry a little bit about you know overall innings and the fact that the command comes and goes yeah, I think the Tigers have talked about being a bit careful with both him and Mize, right, over the course of this year, that they they don't want to just roll them out there for 25, 30 starts and kind of forget it. I think they're going to be a bit conservative with how they manage these guys, certainly over the second half. Uh, to your efficiency point as well, I was just looking at pitches per play appearance, and yeah, he's at 4.24, uh, which is tied for fourth worst in the league, so... Yeah, not if you're in a quality start league as well, I think maybe you're not going to get an awful lot of QS out of him, even if he's really great, as we saw over the weekend. Um, I think uh, we will talk about some other pitchers. Um, maybe Scoob will come up again. Who knows? Um, but there are a bunch of other rookies who've, 
who've done well this year some who haven't done as as well but uh i think people we haven't really talked about so much so i kind of wanted to go down them and we'll put them on the little scale we'll, we'll see how they stack up both in relation to each other and in relation to scooble um we'll start with the guy who i think was uh, almost certainly the the highest drafted out of this group because he had a pretty impressive 2020 and that's ian anderson um not been quite as good so far this year from a results standpoint. Three two and six ERA is still really nice, but some of the expected stats not quite so good. Um, we obviously haven't quite seen the the strikeout rates. They're fine, but they're not kind of elite level. So Ray, how are you feeling about Ian Anderson right now? Is is he another guy who you kind of expect some ups and downs just because of his age? Do you see him as a much more valuable pitcher than someone like Scoobal? Yeah, I, I do think he's a little more valuable than Scooble. I, I mean, I tend to slightly prefer NL pitchers over AL, but I mean, Anderson does pitch in a tougher division. I mean, he's still. I mean, yeah, the strikeouts aren't what we saw last year, and not what we kind of were accustomed to. And the minors is down probably about two per inning, and I mean, he's still striking out a batter an inning. It doesn't mean what it used to, given you know the kind of direction the game is taken. Walks are always going to be a little bit of a concern, and that's going to mean that you have that sort of yo-yo effect with him. But, I mean, overall, still a 54% ground ball rate. I mean, even the expected ERA stats are all, you know, well you know, well under four. So, from an Anderson perspective, I mean, if you can go to their owner and their owner is kind of expressing or feeling sentiments similar to what you just talked about, I, I think there could be definitely buying opportunity here. I mean, talent-wise, I really do like Anderson – probably the most out of the pitchers that are on the list to talk about today. Do you agree with that assessment, Scott? Is is Anderson kind of the, the best guy going forwards from all of our rookies that we're going to talk about? And obviously we'll, we'll list them later, but is he the headliner here? I begrudgingly concede the point that he's probably <laughs> the headline of this. He's just going to be the most consistent in terms of stuff he's on. You know, for example, he's on a much better team than Scooble. He's more likely to go six innings than Scooble. Uh, he can do a lot of that stuff, and he's probably more likely to go six innings than any of the guys on this list. But um, you know, there's you know, there's a few wart, you know, a few warts that are sort of coming up. But even then, you know, he's got top twenty-five upside, and like even if you're down on him, I don't see how you have him outside your top forty. So uh, at least for this season. So I mean, that's. That's kind of where he's at for me. You know, we're, we're talking how things are down and it's like a low threes ERA, right? Even if he settles in the mid threes, I, I think there's there's still plenty of talent here. Yeah, the the rest of the, the Arsenal has not quite as been as good as we saw last year. But that, that change up that I think surprised a lot of people last year because it wasn't as good in the minors really came out of nowhere. And that's still been pretty elite this season. Um, and I agree that he's he looks like the durable guy here. Um I think he's he's not the typical 23-year-old. I think we can count him for more frames and more wins. So, yeah, I think I like Anderson the most, although I'm kind of tempted by by the uh, the second guy I've got on the list. So let's go straight on to him. Trevor Rogers. Um, definitely he was uh, not drafted as highly as, as Anderson, but he's got the, the numbers right now. He's got the 202 IRA. Uh, he's got the highest strikeout rate. The Marlins seem to be a bit of a, a pitching factory right now. So is there a case to be made for Rogers over Anderson? Uh, you know, if not this year, then in the dynasty league, Scott. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm a little more conservative on conservative on him because I haven't seen him much, but 
for example, you know, my other boss, Nick Pollock, ranks him 18th right now. Granted, that ranking is for 12-team mixed leagues, so you can, you can sort of accept a lot more risk. But he, uh, he ranks him at 18th, and he doesn't have the next guy, Ian Anderson, until 32. So he already thinks that Trevor Rogers is the best one here, and it's hard to disagree with him just based on what he's been able to do so far. Uh, I mean, his last two starts obviously have been great. Um, you know, I guess if I was going to nitpick, he hasn't faced very many tough opponents, but that's not really his fault, right? I can't blame him too much for that. He continues to get solid strikeouts, and I, I was actually probably mistaken. He's probably the most likely to go six innings um, with Anderson right behind him, but, you know, Anderson, you know, I can't believe that Rogers has seven wins already, but I, mean, I think there's a very good case to be made, and I think probably you know, half the people we're listening to will say that he's the best. Yeah, Anderson has not given up more than three runs in any start uh, this year. Um, and uh, even the, the Marlins, uh, they're not great, but <laughs> they're better than they were, I think, at some point in the not-too-distant past. So perhaps the wins potential isn't quite as bad as we might think. And I don't think the, the NL East is as formidable, certainly right now, as we feared it might be. Um, you know, with Azuna off Atlanta and, and with the Mets, a total mess in the injury department, I, I think maybe there's going to be a lot more of those favorable starts to come. Ray, how far behind Anderson is Rogers for you? Not much at all. And I mean, I think by the start, Rogers is definitely gaining on Anderson. I mean, granted, his last start, I think it was last night, was in cores. I mean, in my in Miami against the Rockies, out of course. So I mean, I think that maybe has something to do with it. The seven wins are just crazy. He had he brought his walks down pretty much from where it was last two years. I mean, granted, last two years between Double A and the majors, he pitched under sixty innings. So I mean, not a huge sample size, but again, yeah, Anderson and Rogers is really, I think, not to say that I was necessarily sleeping on him. But he's definitely taken some steps that I'm not sure, at least I didn't see coming. And I, you know, I, I have been impressed with him, and I think he's start. I think he's starting to gain. I think he's starting to gain. I mean, I don't know that I personally feel comfortable treating him as the 18th best pitcher. It's very possible he gets to that point. But I mean, if but if you but if you think that and someone else doesn't, it certainly represents a buying opportunity on him. Yeah, I think this could be a kind of interesting buy buy high kind of guy because he's certainly shown it so far, and uh, he is he is still um, like Anderson, only twenty three. So there could easily be more to come here. If you listen to Marlins fans in in the spring, they were all over Tre- Trevor Rogers. They really really were high on him. There was a lot of belief within the organization, and we get a lot of these stories in the spring, and it's really hard to tease out what's the real stuff with you know what's just the team pumping up a guy. Um, but on this particular front, they, they appear to have been correct. Uh, I guess that volume, that's something that we could talk about a bit more generally as well. Because he's thrown relatively little, do we worry at all about him not really being able to do this down the stretch? I mean, he's at 75 frames already. He only threw 28 competitive innings last year. Do we think that the Marlins are going to let him get to 30 starts if that, that's a, a possibility, Scott? I mean, I don't bank on anyone getting 30 starts anymore, but 
you know, could he get to 25? I think so. Uh, you know, obviously the Marlins will have, you know, some incentive to sit him later on or skip starts here and there. But it should also be noted, it's not like they have a ton of guys that they can throw into the re- rotation to replace him, right? Like, I mean, they can't, they can't do this for all of their starters, but like the four starters that they kind of have right now with Rodgers, Alcantara, Lopez, and Braxton Garrett, they're all under 26. You can't rest all of them, right? Like you can't, you can't cap all of their innings because you have, you still have games to pitch, right? And then, you know, eventually Sixto will be back and his innings obviously will be very carefully monitored. Somebody has to pitch the, the rest of the games. Like they don't get to play fewer games just because they don't want to start their guys. So I do think he'll get plenty of innings. Will he be like an innings leader? No. I do think they might start capping him like artificially even, like maybe pull him in the sixth or second, seventh when it's his turn to bat, even though he could have still gone. Uh, But I I do think he's going to pitch plenty of innings. I mean, I'm pegging him for at least 150 in part because Miami doesn't have a choice. Yeah, it's it's not as uh, deep as it looked early on with Eliezer and Sixto getting hurt and at 150 you know that might might place him pretty high i guess on the leaderboard not many guys qualify for the era title anymore um getting to 162 that's that's getting pretty rare so perhaps we shouldn't worry about that a great deal Let's move why, the, more we, the more we talk about him the more i'm ready to say yeah i actually do think he's the best of this lot because i was i was also thinking he might pitch less but looking at that starting rotation again if you go to roster resource right now they have four starters listed and a like a TBD in the middle of it. Like I don't see how they I don't see how they don't pitch him. They have no other options. Yeah, even the guys they bring in, like Cody Poti, it looked good for a, a couple of starts, and then he got hurt. Um, <laughs> it just seems like it doesn't matter who they bring up. They're they're kind of dropping like flies out of that rotation. So yeah, uh, yeah. The more we talk about Rogers, the more I, I, you know, kind of starting to get on board with him a little bit. But I mean, to the point that Scott made, I think it's, yeah, it's going to be very, very tough for them to, to fill, to fill all those innings. And I mean, again, this is also a problem that I think most teams and most pitchers are going to have coming off, coming off of last year as well. So, you know, well, you know, they might have the problem with Rogers, but I mean, I think a lot of other teams and other young pitchers are going to kind of be in the same boat as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's kind of relevant with the next guy because we've seen some slightly odd management of Dane Dunning uh, traded to the Rangers from the White Sox, obviously in the Lance Lynn deal over the offseason. And certainly they've done a a couple of interesting things. They sort of capped him a bit in the early going. Um, They took him out of some starts that he looked pretty good in early on. Uh, They seem to have been a bit more willing to let him go deeper into games, but um, there still seems to be that kind of sentiment that they're not going to give him a a massive workload, even though the Rangers really, if you, (laughs) you look at what they've got, it's, it's much worse than the Marlins. They, they certainly uh, don't have guys to cover those frames, but they're also uh, a worse team, I guess. So where are you at on Dunning? Because I feel like I see a lot more mixed opinion on, on this guy, Ray. I, I think some people really like him and some people just don't think that the stuff is there for him to be a, a really quality fantasy star. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like Dunning a bit. Me, I don't know a bit more than most, but I, I did like Dunning going into the season. So part of my slant may be kind of based with those colored glasses on, so to speak. 
I mean, yeah, the workload has been a little odd at times, we could say. But I think from positive standpoint of Dunning, the BABIP is 350. So you kind of expect that to come down, normalize a little bit. Left on base percentage is 70%. That's going to get better a little bit. The XERA is 4. FIP is 292. XFIP is 329. So all those things say, hey, if we're just going to take it based on that level alone, you're high on Dunning coming into the season. Surface stats, and not that great. He's had, you know, part of it's maybe been the uneven usage, whatever. But then if you look at the expected stats, you're going to say, okay, fine, I feel, you know, maybe a little bit better with Dunning. And I mean, 7.9% power rate, 45% hard hit rate. I mean, he's not necessarily going to be one of those guys that goes out and truly overpowers opposing hitters. But I think if you utilize him in the right spot, the fact that he's only given up a 26% fly ball rate this year, I do like that. So I, I think there's some good about Dunning. I'm not sure that he has the potential to be like a Rogers or an Anderson for this year, or maybe even like a schoolable year or two down the road. I think he's more of a nice pitcher, maybe a little more than a streaming option type of thing, but I think there is definitely something to work with here. I guess what I see, uh, Scott, when I look at Dunning is I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he is striking out more than the batter per inning because he sort of relies on this this sinker, which I don't think is that great a pitch, but he still seems to be getting a decent number of strikeouts. Do, do you think this is going to hold up long term or is this like an, an average guy? I mean, I, I think it's more of the latter. Uh, he's striking out more than a batter in inning. Some of that is pulled by, I mean, he had this 10 strikeout start in like early May against Seattle and granted he gets to play Seattle quite a bit, right? They're in his division. But other than that, it's been six or fewer every time, like six, five, six, four, three. So, you know, he doesn't pitch. This is my issue with him. Really. It's not so much his skills. It's that he doesn't pitch deep into games, right? He's only gone six innings twice. Um, he doesn't have electric strikeout stuff. And, you know, not only do the numbers reflect an oak, you know, it's an okay strikeout rate. I really worry that like, I agree with you, Darius, that it's going to come down, right? He doesn't, he doesn't have overpowering stuff. None of his pitches grade particularly well, right? He's mostly a command guy. It's hard to maintain strikeouts. What he has going for him is that he gets to call Rangers ballpark home, which is now a very pitcher friendly park. And that's probably helping a little bit. Keep the balls that he, you know, the balls that get hit, he's keeping in the yard, but I'm, you know, this to me, I think the line you've got is about what to expect a four ish ERA. And, you know, I, I think the strikeouts also come down a bit, not a ton, but I do think they'll, they'll come down a bit. He did have high strikeout rates in the minors, but I also didn't understand those either. So that's kind of where I'm at. He, he is, he's, you know, I, I don't want to say he is what he is, but the numbers you're seeing now seem about right to me. Yeah, I think uh, it's, I mean, Texas could be a much worse situation for him. But um, I have I have my doubts going forwards. Maybe he's just a, a deceptive guy who's always going to outperform what his stuff looks like on, on paper. So we'll see. Um, somebody who I think has kind of taken a, a few people by surprise, I think including your, your boss, Nick Pollock, uh, Scott, um, he's, I think he's, he's issued a bit of an apology to Luis Garcia. 
who has kind of kept defying the expectations and managed to stick around in the Astros rotation. Um, Christian Javier got bumped uh, instead of Garcia when they, they had a bit of a roster crunch. So another young guy, he's only 24. Um, he really seems to have taken a big step forward on the, the strikeout front this season. So what what do you see in Garcia going forwards? And do you think he's kind of bumping up? Maybe he's either the third best guy we're going to talk about today. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. You know, I think so, right? Um, I, I, I do well. Third, fourth. I mean, a lot of these guys rank sort of in the same sort of area for me. I mean, I see why they didn't bump him. How could they, right? Striking out ten guys per nine, uh, really strong ERA. All the underlying numbers pretty much back it up. He's not giving up too many home runs. Uh, he doesn't walk a ton of guys. I mean, he's kind of doing everything you want a guy to do. And what I really like is. Over the last several starts, he's gone deeper into games, right? That's the growth I want to see from some of these guys, that they get to go a little bit deeper into games because early on, you know, they're always going to kind of pull some punches, but he continues to go deeper into games. He, you know, six innings in his last three starts at six, seven, and six. Uh, he continues to strike guys out. He's not walking more guys. I mean, he's, he's really, really tough to hit right now. I don't see any reason why he can't continue this to at least some degree. Right. Like I, you know, is he going to be a sub three ERA guy? Like, no. And it's easy for me to say that, but I do definitely think he can be close to like somewhere between that expected ERA and that, uh, and that FIP. So like somewhere in like the low to mid threes rest of the season is probably what I would project, which is a lot better than what a lot of the projection systems have. Although I also think that those projection systems are slow to update to, you know, skill set changes and, and growth. But yeah, I think he's like a mid three ZRA guy and should be hovering somewhere between like 40 and 60 in your rankings at least. Right, this is an, an Astros guy. So I guess you should uh, have seen a, a fair amount of Garcia this year. What, what has he shown you? Yeah, I mean, for somebody that made his major league debut in the playoffs last year, Garcia has been very impressive. And I think it is, like you alluded to earlier, it's very telling that they sent Javier to the bullpen and not, Garcia. I mean, I think part of it is Javier's stuff plays better out of the bullpen than someone like Garcia. I think Garcia is more of that bulk starter. I'm not sure he's going to stay in the rotation all year as they start to get guys back if they need to manage his innings. But, I mean, it's clear that his future is as a starting pitcher. And the big change for him is really the last two, three starts that he's really pitching deep into games, that he's able to keep the pitch counts down. He has, I think, excellent mound composure out there, which something for a young for a young pitcher really is huge, that it's not that it's not a situation where you're always watching and kind of worried for the other shoe to drop. He doesn't necessarily have maybe the stuff of a school bull, but the stuff is pretty good. He's using his cutter a lot more this year than he has previously, so I think that is starting to help him as well, just from a pitchability standpoint and having another weapon out there. We know that the run support's going to be good, and 
some of the other lineups that he's going to face in the AL West aren't exactly going to keep anybody up at night, so there's another plus there. I, I think Garcia's definitely overdunning for me. And, I mean, if we're talking this year, he's probably number three, three on the list of of the guys we're going to talk about, that he's really, that it's not necessary, that he's not relying just on on his stuff, that he's relying on the pitch ability as well. And the fact that he's showing that ability to pitch deep into games really is important here because I think ultimately at the end of the day, what we're looking for out of these young pitchers is consistency. And the fact that he can pitch deep into games, to me at least, shows that he had he has that consistency, and that I mean, yeah, he's probably going to struggle a little bit here and there, but it's not going to be that big, you know, eight run implosion type of situation. And it's worth noting those three starts weren't against like softer opponents from from his division. They were the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays. And across those three games, he gave up a total of three earned runs. I mean, that's unbelievable you know he's got the slider and the cutter that were, were have both been working well and yeah i mean again i i continue to agree with everything we say and he's he's been really good and you know nick apologized in his most recent list because i mean at this point it's hard to question it too much like yes we can say the normal caveats for young pitchers where there's going to be you know ups and downs but when you have three straight games against quality offenses and you absolutely sit them down at this point you know what do we say besides you keep running them out there at this point every single start yeah it's it's kind of hard not to uh, ray you've got your finger on the pulse presumably of the uh, astros rotation lance mccullers is, is coming back i think next week they're not removing Grenke, they're not removing valdez so what's the situation here is is okidi or adorizi likely to to drop out of the rotation or is Garcia still going to end up in the bullpen, even though he's been so good? I think he might at this point. I haven't, I haven't definitively heard, but I mean, McCullers is close. I'd imagine Otto Rizzi would would stay in the rotation. I mean, they gave him big money contract this year. I mean, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me at this point with Garcia if you just send them down to the minors to keep the the stamina and the length up, as opposed to trying to transition him into the bullpen. Knowing that it's a, that at some point you'll probably have another injury. I mean, Urquidy's last start wasn't wasn't that great. They do seem to be committed to him in the rotation, but I mean, I I, I think probably it would be Urquidy to the bullpen or Garcia to the minors is is what I would guess. But I mean, if that's the case, then you know, obviously, dynasty leagues maybe it represents a buying opportunity if somebody's been running Garcia. And then they get sent to the mi- the miners or the bullpen for that matter. Yeah, definitely worth watching out for uh, for contender. Just relying on him and and he ends up in the miners, then you could you could give that a go. Although he has been so good that <laughs> you might you might still come up empty on that one. Well, uh... what a horrible problem to have. We have too many good young pitchers. We don't know what to do. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Uh, Let's talk about the guy who I think is probably most likely to appear in a GIF somewhere near you. Shane McClanahan looks absolutely electric when he's on the mound. He's also on the raise, which gives us a, another headache. We, uh, we, we don't really like to deal with so much in fantasy. So uh, 
Scott, um, how do you, you feel about McClanahan? Is he somebody who you can stomach even owning in a in a redraft this year, or is he just too much of a headache despite his absolutely incredible stuff? Where he's, I think, the toughest to deal with is weekly leagues because you it's so tough. If you know, for the last two weeks, if you started McClanahan, like yeah, the ratios weren't great, but not only that, you got three innings. Like, sure, he's striking out tons of guys. Right, like it doesn't seem to matter how long he goes in the games, he's going to strike out five or six hitters, uh, even if he only goes three innings. Problem is, you're in a weekly league, you you can't have three innings from one of these starters, right? Um, it, it just you can't do it, especially if they're rough because he does give up homers at times. Uh, he does walk guys. He's got this crazy electric stuff. To me, I like him actually in the more shallow leagues because I can work around it. I can replace the innings if he doesn't go deep. I can, um, you know, even in some, I might be able to drop him and get him back later. I can manage him in a weekly, especially a deep league. Man, I don't think you can cut him, but I think you're also, uh, I'm not sure you can start him as nearly as much as you want to. So he's a really tough guy to roster in 15 teamers. Ray, where are you at on uh, McClanahan? Have you, have you got him anywhere? And uh, are you using him if so? I do not have him. I think it's super, super tough from a roster management standpoint, as Scott is saying. I mean, we know he's talented, but the Rays are also the Rays. So I, I think it I think it makes it I think it makes it hard. I think it makes it hard to manage it in a weekly league when innings predictability is very important. In a daily league it's not, you know, when you can cycle your 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 start is in and out, and you can kind of leave McClanahan in there. But, I mean, you don't necessarily always know how Tim is going to use him. And they're also going to be very cognizant of his workload, I think. And they have so many similar type pitchers, maybe not as talented as McClanahan, but so many other pitchers that they kind of utilize in a similar role. So, so for now, I think roster management is very hard, but the talent is there. So, in most leagues, I'm kind of just staying away if I don't have the bandwidth on my team to kind of manage it or manage to it. And it's really bizarre because normally we say like, yeah, I'll roster him in a 15, but not in a 10 or a 12. And with McClanahan, he's strangely the opposite. Like he's probably more manageable because if he doesn't pan out, uh, you can just pick up somebody else. There's probably a streamer out there, but in a 15, obviously there isn't. So I just want to point out, it's a weird thing. And the Rays being weird now have this weird asset that as a fantasy man- manager i'm with right i haven't picked him up because i don't have the bandwidth to sort of manage him in addition to anything else i'm trying to manage yeah i i do have him in, in tgfbi in fact which is obviously a, a 15 team league and it's it's a bit of a headache um i have had to start him a couple of weeks because i've not had the best luck with the old uh, pitching injuries lately i've got john means i've got lance mccullers i've got spencer turnbull so um, I sort of ended up in a situation where I basically had to start McClanahan or start an injured pitcher. Um, but I don't love it, and uh, it's it's not great volume-wise. It's uh, You can see yourself slipping down the rankings because you're just not quite getting the volume you need. So that's uh, that's not great. Um, I think he's going to be pretty good long-term, but it might be a, a while until we get the kind of consistency we need for fantasy and and it being the Rays, you never know they might just continue to use him in this type of role for a really long time so it's it's a headache for sure 
Let's uh, let's move on to the Mariners, and uh, we'll talk about somebody who we, we saw for the first time this season, Logan Gilbert. Um, it's not been a totally successful debut. I mean, I, I guess we could say it's maybe gone a little bit better than it has for Jared Kelnick, but um, he's, he's had a rough go of it despite some decent peripherals. So, uh, Scott, what have you seen out of Gilbert in his, his first five starts? And is this a guy, maybe maybe this year is too early, but do you think he'll be a, a steady member of fancy rotations in the next year or two? I mean, I, I do. It's gotten better of late, right? You know, his last two starts against the Angels and the A's, um, they've been, you know, five innings and six innings, uh, only one or two earned runs. Um, uh, you know, his last start, back on the sixth against the angels was four walks. He's like, this is classic rookie pitcher, right? Like up and down. Sometimes he's going to struggle with walks. Sometimes he's going to struggle with, um, you know, a certain pitch not being there. And he has to learn how to deal with that at the major league level. Cause in the minor leagues, when you, when you've got, you know, three, four different pitches and throw 95, you can be missing a whole lot of your arsenal and still get by. And in the majors, you can't. So we're going to be seeing him work through that in you know, this season, I didn't pick him up anywhere. I probably won't really try. Uh, maybe more as like, to me, I see him more as a streamer right now where you really want to sort of like watch the matchup. But to be clear, his first two starts against Cleveland and Detroit went poorly. And that's where you'd want to start him. So uh, I, you know, if I had him on a roster, I'd probably stream him where he's got softer matchups and just kind of like hope for the best. But you have to be ready for him to have these like, four inning three earned run starts because that's just the way it works for rookie pitchers and it doesn't mean he's not good you know he's he's certainly a top 50 prospect right it's just uh, if not better but you know being a rookie pitcher is hard right like even my favorite guy school he was not good last year right he, he really struggled because when you're missing one piece for a game it changes everything in the major leagues and the best pitchers are the ones that can work through that but logan gilbert doesn't know how to do that yet at least yeah. not at the major league level. It's uh, it's been tough for him. I, I mean, the, th- the secondaries have looked pretty decent, but the the fastball is is getting crashed right now when it when he hasn't got it. Um, and I guess that's one of the things you find in the majors. People are are going to deal pretty easily with ninety five if you can't locate it well. Ray, how how are you feeling about Gilbert? Have you picked him up anywhere, or is he kind of still in that streamer category for you as well? Yeah, he's in streamer at best category for me. I mean, there's a few dynasty leagues where I had him sitting in my minor leagues. But, I mean, Scott said top 50 prospects. The dude's super talented, but, you know, I feel this is your weekly, daily, monthly, seasonal, whatever you want to call, whatever increment of time you want to use. Reminder that pitching in the major leagues is hard. It doesn't matter how much talent or what your prospect pedigree was. that You can't just sit there and say, Okay, fine, this guy's listed as a top whatever prospect. He's promoted to the major leagues. I'm gonna dump all my fab on him, throw him throw him in, you know, in my starting lineup and be good. It's not it's not that easy. I think for now he's maybe a streamer at best while he figures it out. I mean, I think ultimately the stuff will play, but he's going to have to make adjustments. So I mean in a redraft, I'm perfectly fine kind of cutting bait with him. I mean, depending on how much fab you spent on him, it might make that a little difficult. Dynasty League, I'm going to look to buy right now because I think overall, I think it's still a very favorable outlook for Gilbert, but I think it might be more of a next year thing. Or, I mean, you don't know when something's going to click for him. It wouldn't surprise me. 
you know, if we sit here and his next start, he goes out, boom, seven innings, two runs, ten strikeouts. So we know it's there. Yeah, definitely the, the kind of thing you want to watch out for. Like like Scooble, if you see somebody starting to put it together, then definitely yeah, be ready to pick them up. But I think you're right that uh, we can we can leave them out on the wire in, in a lot of leagues at the moment. Um, somebody who actually isn't in the majors right now, but I think all the vibes are that he's going to be rejoining the rotation this weekend because Cleveland needs a starter, is Tristan McKenzie. And I've been kind of dubious of McKenzie since his, his debut last year because of how difficult he seemed to find it to maintain his velocity to go deep into starts they basically moved him into the bullpen to end the season and i haven't seen an awful lot this season to be honest to convince me otherwise he's still losing velocity very quickly in starts um the stuff is is there but he kind of looks like he he ought to be a bullpen piece to me right now so ray how how are you feeling about mckenzie again still 23 years old so there's plenty of time but um He's, he's not a guy who I look at and I think he's going to have the durability to be a starter. Yeah, I'm very concerned about, about that durability. I mean, Chris Sale's proven to do it. Obviously, the, time, the fact that he's rehabbing Tommy John right now, notwithstanding, but durability is a concern. The results of when when he's been healthy, the results have been there. But again, I think major league level is is difficult, and I think he's pro- his future might end end up in the bullpen. I mean, it's also very possible in three years that someone digs this podcast up and says, "Wow, that was terrible take." <laughs> you know, he's he, you know he's out there making all star teams. It's ve- it's very possible, but at the same, looking at it right now, I'm not in a situation where. I'm going to recommend or reach out to try to acquire McKenzie in any kind of league. Because, and it's more just the durability concerns and the inconsistency that he's showing more, more than anything else for me. Scott, would you be looking to, if you're in a dynasty, maybe if you're a rebuilding team, is, is McKenzie a guy you tried to pick up right now? Or, or do you have too many concerns like us? I mean, you know, normal disclaimer it depends on how cheap i can get them this you know we talk a lot about buying low selling high and i think you know even today we've we've been pretty good about talking about like the reality of it is you often have to buy high and sell low at least based on perception so if you've got something that you've seen that makes you believe interest in mckenzie like go for it i guess Right, like uh, people are going to be ready to move him. It's not like you're going to have to pay what you had to pay last season, right? Not at all. So, I think that that's something you could do, but you're not going to be relying on many of the numbers that we've seen in the majors this year, right? Like, I guess you know the strikeout rate was good, but a lot of stuff has been really concerning. So, this was sort of like you know I've talked about this with a few players throughout throughout the year. Sometimes you have to like. This is where sort of the the gut of fantasy baseball comes in. If there's something about Tristan McKenzie where you've seen him, you really like what he can do, you think he can turn it around, you go for it, right? Because you can't, it's going to be really difficult to make this argument with stats. But if you've scouted him and you like him, I think you have to buy because this is the time. This is the buy low. Like you don't buy low after a couple good starts. That's not how this works, right? Right now, people have very few reasons to hold him. That's when you buy. 
yeah, I would have thought that there'd be quite a lot of leagues where you could get McKenzie for very little right now, uh, especially if he is kicking around on a team that's that's trying to contend this year. And I think they'll they'll have seen that he's probably not going to give them very much, um, even if they, he makes a, a spot start this weekend. I think Cleveland has, has clearly indicated that they're quite happy to send him down. So it's not for me. I think he needs to show me a lot more. And, you know, it's it's not the stuff. Um, I, I need convincing of the durability, and I think he needs to do that over a you know extended period. At, at, le- at least I want to see you know him holding his velocity into the fifth, sixth inning, in sort of multiple consecutive starts before I'm I'm willing to bet that he's going to be a starter. Um, but as you say, Scott, if the price is is next to nothing, then it's worth a go if you're a re- rebuilding team because there's there's obviously some talent here. Okay, I think that that covers all of our players. So. Um, We've kind of got an, an idea of the ranking, I guess, but um, let's let's do a quick rundown. Uh, first, we'll do uh, the redraft, and then I guess if you want to um, say what would change if you were in a dynasty league, who would you move? So I'll start with you, Scott. Who, if you want to slot Scooble into these rankings as well, how would you rank the guys we, we've had today? Ooh, so the guys you talked about, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be tough because a lot of these guys are like sort of grouped together sort of. So I think there's like this tier at the top that's Trevor Rogers, Ian Anderson, right? And then I think there's something below that, which is like Scooble and Garcia. Uh, and then, you know, sort of below that, it's everyone else. Uh, granted, you know, I'm sort of cheating. That's mostly for redraft. I think in, in Dynasty, you can like group them even closer together. Like Rogers, like Rogers Anderson are still probably at the top, but then like Scooble, Garcia, McClanahan, and maybe even Gilbert, you can kind of group together based on, you know, with pitching, pitching is one of the more fun things in fantasy. And a lot of people like to specialize in it because it's very scouting dependent, right? You, there's only, you know, stats do help, but you can re- like to see pitcher growth is easier than to identify like ways for hitters to grow. Uh, because like, it's hard to envision a guy tweaking his swing, but it's kind of easy to watch a guy throwing his slider and be like, man, if he can just get that down or, you know, he's, you, you see this, you know, he throws this pitch and you're like, oh man, you know, get rid of, if you got rid of that sinker and just threw the fastball, you know, you can do it, right? Like, and you can really isolate stats. So it's hard. I, I actually find it really difficult to rank pitchers other than just using tiers, which is why I don't do it very often. But yeah, that's what I do. I'd say it's Anderson Rogers. Then after that, probably like Scooble Garcia, McClanahan, and, and then Gilbert. And then it's like Dunning McKenzie. Ray, what have you got? Any disagreements with Scott's ranking? All right, so kind of from a tier perspective, I'm still going to hold tight on Anderson over Rodgers, but I think it's close, and I think that's and I think that's the clear first tier. For me, the second tier redraft is going to be Garcia Dunning Scooble, based on both what we've seen from them this year the fact that they're the most consistent bets for innings and the fact that the, the results have kind of been there. So to, so to me, that's kind of, kind of where I lean. And then I go back into the third tier with McClanahan, Gilbert, McKenzie. I think the stuff from a McClanahan, Gilbert standpoint might be right, you know, right up there, top on the list. You know, probably right up there with Scooble. I think from a stuff perspective in the prospect pedigree, but I mean, right now I go Anderson Rogers, then Garcia, then Scooble, then McClanahan, Gilbert McKenzie. 
at Dynasty, Anderson Rogers, I think, still stay on top. But then, for me, Gilbert and Scooble kind of slot very closely underneath long long term. And then I go McClanahan, Garcia, Dunning, and then I'm probably just going to leave McKenzie last just for the bullpen concerns. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, I I kind of I think I'm in on Trevor Rogers, but, um, but otherwise I I think that's that's pretty similar to my order. So I think that about wraps it up for today. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Don't forget you can follow Scott on Twitter at if the two fits. You can follow Ray at Ray underscore Coon underscore twenty eight, and me at Darius A sixty four. You can find the podcast at Fantasy Benefits and friendswithfantasybenefits.com. Thank you again, everybody, for listening, and we will catch you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.